0: Hey, this is Brian with Mid-City Church. Hey, if you want to learn a little bit more about us, uh, you can check us out online, midcityvineyard.org. You can check us out on Instagram, at midcityvineyard, and of course on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard. We worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., and uh, you are always welcome to join us if you're looking for uh, people to gather with and to worship with. A special note, though, we will not be worshiping this coming weekend. Uh, as we'll be celebrating Mardi Gras, so no worship gathering this Sunday coming up. In the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series entitled Soul Care. Each week, we've been talking about different ways that we might uh, more effectively care for the essence of our being, to care for our souls. And so this week, our conversation was about the importance of friendship, sojourning, with others or sojourning with another in our life and just the value that friendship brings. So we're gonna head on over to the conversation. Thanks for joining us. Much peace. See you. Back to our series on soul care. <clears throat> Again I wanna remind you that when I use the word soul I'm talking about the the essence of our being the, the core of our being where where life from ultimately. It's how I'm using the word. Uh, we know how to take care of ourselves physically, at least in theory. You know, I don't know if we practice it, but we know it. You know, Eat less king cake, eat less cinnamon rolls, eat more fruit, jog, go to the gym, whatever. Uh, we know how to take care of ourselves mentally, um, Oftentimes, even emotionally, we 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 kind of we've been trained in some of those ways, but we don't have a lot of training when it comes to actually caring for the well-being of our souls. But when it comes to the Christian faith, when it comes to Christian spirituality, the essence of Christian spirituality is about following Christ on a journey of transformation, being being changed into and becoming. It, it, Christian spirituality ultimately is about. Becoming. It's not about doing. It's not even so much about being, but it's really about becoming. I, I like to phrase it like this. We're always becoming the people we are going to be. Like that's, that's the journey you're on. Becoming the person you're going to be. Um, when it's all said and done, I think we're moving towards becoming more kind-hearted, more inclusive, more gentle, more gracious, more generous, more forgiving, and so the Christian journey is moving and becoming in those ways. And the way we do that, uh, ultimately, we have to really pay attention and care for our souls. We have, to, we have to pay attention to these kinds of things. What does it look like to, to, to um, be kind to myself in, in order that I can now be kind to other people? You know, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And we always talk about loving our neighbors, but very rarely do people talk about loving themselves. But you can only love your neighbor as much as you actually love yourself. You really can. Um, So we have to learn how to care for ourselves, be kind to ourselves, love ourselves, be generous to ourselves. We want to learn and we want to continue to press into what does it look like to really connect with the divine? What does it look like to allow the divine to pour the divine's love towards us, into our hearts? When When we realize how much the divine loves us, then we begin to love ourselves a little bit more. When we're always trying to jump through hoops to get the divine to love us more, well, to be honest with you, in Christian spirituality, we've got it wrong because now we're trying to be something or do something in order to get the divine to love us, to get God to, to endear God's self to us when God has already completely endeared God's self to you. There's nothing you can do, but we don't live in that. And that's what soul care does. Soul care allows us to actually begin to experience more of this love and this mercy, this grace. Of God. So we talked about a couple of ways that we can care for our souls: prayer, learning how to pray and 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 still ourselves and connect with God. Solitude, learning how to create margin in our lives, really creating space. Talked about taking a day off, which is uh, an insane gift that I think that God's given to us. I mean, to worship a, a a being, a divine being that actually says, hey, listen, it's not so much about how much you produce uh, or consume or any of that, but I, I want to actually tell you, hey, take a day off. <laughs> Be nice to yourself at least once a week. That's amazing. Today, I want to talk about the gift of friendship and how journeying with someone else is a key element to soul care and I think it's one that we don't think of very often the importance of, of true friendship or a true friend and here's the thing and, and I realize this um, some of you some of us have a friend that is, is is true and deep and genuine and you've experienced the gift of friendship in a very real way and others in the room just haven't, and even for some in the room, it might be a real place of rawness, soreness. You know, because uh, we're created as beings that desire relationship, and sometimes when we don't have that, uh, we desperately long for it. And I know that that some of us might be in that space. So today, I want to look at it from two two angles. Number one, what does it look like to to receive the gift of friendship? but then what does it also look like to give the gift of friendship because sometimes we don't receive it until we learn how to to give it maybe that just happens I, I'm not sure but but if you're going to move on the spiritual journey if you're going to move with caring for your soul if you are the kind of person that is desiring deeply to grow in kindness and goodness and grace and mercy and generosity and faithfulness and forgiveness and all these things peaceful presence all these things then ultimately Along the way, in order for this to really happen, there's got to be some type of iron sharpening iron, some type of friendship that is genuine and authentic and deep and rich uh, that is there in the journey with you. Doing it with somebody else. Doing it with somebody else. It's a journey that we do take together. Jesus, if you think about it, I mean, Jesus is is our model. We keep going back to Jesus. But Jesus had the crowds. You know what that was like? Uh, Jesus was on the side of the mountain. He had 5,000 people. That he was feeding, I don't know that he would have been like. Wow, well, I have five thousand friends. Uh, I don't know that you can have five thousand friends. So, but Jesus had the the crowd, but then he had uh, a closer knit group. If we do boil it down from the five thousand all the way down to the twelve, he had twelve people that he called, and he literally called them friends. He says, "I don't call you servants; I call you friends. Like you're you're like you're my people." And we would call those the twelve disciples. I always refer to them, uh, or when I. Not always, but I often refer to them as the 12 friends. But then Jesus went a little, he went a step further. He had three of those disciples, Peter, James, and John, who he seemed to take with him more often than he took the 12. It seems that there are a number of times where Jesus would leave nine behind and say to Peter, James, and John, hey, why don't you, why don't you guys come with me? Or are a couple of examples of that. In Matthew chapter 5, he's going to... Uh, to uh, uh, see this guy named Jairus. Jairus had a very ill daughter. And it turn, uh, turns out that Jairus' daughter uh, was was dying, and so Jesus was gonna go and pray for her. And in this particular instance, he, he raises her from the dead, according to, to the biblical narrative. But he takes Peter, James, and John with him. He tells Bartholomew and Judas and those guys, he's like, hey, y'all guys, you guys hang out here. Peter, James, John, y'all come with me. Yeah. So they shared a different thing together. Again, in Matthew 17, uh, you might be familiar with the story of the transfiguration where he goes up on the mountain and, uh, like, Jesus turns colors. And, I don't know, it's kind of a weird story. But, it's, you know, it's kind of neat, maybe. Uh, but he takes Peter, James, and John with him. And then the night of his arrest, he has Peter, James, and John with him in the garden. Kind of neat. Uh, he's going through an incredibly difficult and painful time. And he just, he has, he has his friends there. You know what's fascinating about that story? is uh, his friends kept falling asleep. <laughs> so he kept going back, and he's like, would you guys please stay awake for just a minute? You know, like, you're my closest friends, you know. Give a crap for just a minute. And it's kind of, I don't know. I, I'm becoming more and more convinced that we really cannot make the, the soul journey without companionship, without someone to take it with us. And if you don't have that deep type of friend, I think that there, in Christian tradition there's even other ways around it through spiritual direction uh, and things like that that I'll talk about uh, at the end for just a moment. But ultimately, relationship and who you are and your soul is cultivated through companionship. It's through relationship that you encounter some of the greatest possibilities in life in the school of love. I'm talking like real friendship. So maybe you've experienced uh, crappy friendship in the past. You know, the kind of friendship where you think you're friends and you do or say something, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, we weren't friends because yeah. you don't see them anymore? Yeah, yeah that, that happens to us. That's awful. That's like the worst feeling. I, that's just the worst feeling. I think we've all been there. Um, but even in that, at some point, you get a chance to learn what, what love really looks like because you get a chance to practice forgiveness. You <laughs> get a chance to practice having your heart healed um, through through other through other avenues. But spiritual friendship, as I want to look at it, the friendship that you receive, ultimately, here's here's what I, I'm looking for. And I desire this in my life and I think I have it in a couple of places. Um, and just so you know, the, the two, the three, the four friends that that I've moved into this space in my life with um, some of them don't even don't even live here like I've got I've got a friend in Houston who's probably one of my closest friends another one who lives in Covington and these are probably some of my closest friends these are uh, people I've been journeying through life with for 20 plus years they're not even like I don't even talk to them every week but they're the kind of people that like, like those are my people there's literally at this point I'm I've finally come to the place of realization that there's nothing I could say, there's nothing I could do, there's no belief I could hold that would scare these two guys away, and that's that's comforting, because in most of my circles like yours, I'm always a little concerned that I could say something, or I could change a belief, or I could change a practice, and all of a sudden it's like oh well, you know. Mm. But you're looking for a couple things when, when we're trying to receive it, and, and, and this is kind of how you know. Um, where does a true friendship come in where the friend is not actually trying to fix you? They're not trying to change you. They're not trying to solve your problems. They're not prematurely advising you. They're not assuming that what worked for them must also work for you. Like, this is a big deal if you think about the things that, that I'm saying right now. Is, um, if you're anything like me, and something works for you in your life, you're like, oh, my God, everybody needs to know about this. This is the best thing ever. Everybody should do X. You know what your problem is? You're not doing X. Well, it worked for me, but that doesn't mean, you know, because if, can we really... We really, really appreciate and value each person's journey. Spiritual friendship is about the gift of hospitality. It's about the gift of presence. It's about the gift of dialogue. I told you about this a few weeks ago, but Job. Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2. Let me catch you up on it again. I think it's one of the most beautiful examples of spiritual friendship. Gone bad. Uh, Job is this man, it, there's a narrative, there's a story about Job in the Old Testament. And Job apparently is this guy that uh, has a great connection with God. And in the story itself, it says that the accuser goes before God and says, hey, I know that guy Job really seems to love you, but if, if I got to mess around with Job, he wouldn't love you anymore, God. He would turn his back on you. And so God's like, I, I don't think so. And the accuser says, well, can I, can I mess around with him? And for whatever reason in the story, God's like, sure. I'm like, oh, that's weird. I mean, that's weird. But uh, so the accuser goes about messing with this guy, Job. And Job's kids get killed in like a earthquake. Uh, Job's camels get killed and his sheep get killed and his goats get killed. Uh, Job himself, his own body develops like, sores, they call them boils, and all this stuff is going on, Uh, Job's wife comes to him and says, Job, you're a fool, which that's always fun if your wife, you know, or partner is speaking those kinds of things to you, you know, like, Job, you're a fool, she says, Job, you should curse God and and just die. Thanks, wife, you know, it's kind of motivational Motivational speaking. And check out, check this out. This is really fascinating. This has always been uh, just a really neat. (laughs) Yeah. Let me find old Job in the Bible here. Where'd you go, Job? It always stinks when you can't find. There he is. So check out this, Job. It says that uh, when Job's three friends... Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar heard about Zob's troubles and all the stuff that had come upon Job. They set out from their homes, and they met together by agreement to go and to sympathize with Job and to comfort him. These are good good friends. When they saw Job from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. He was in such bad shape. And they began to weep. And they tore their robes and they sprinkled dust on their heads. This was a sign in the ancient uh, Hebrew world of, of solidarity, standing in solidarity with him. And then they sat on the ground with Job for seven days and seven nights. And no one said a word to Job. But they sat with him because they saw how great his suffering was. Seven days and seven nights. That's in chapter 2. The next chapter says that Job said something. Started to talk to his friends after seven days and seven nights. And in chapter 3, Job speaks. And in chapter 4, Eliphaz speaks to combat what Job said. And then Job speaks again in chapter 6. And then Bildad takes a chance to speak against what Job said. And then Job speaks again in chapter 9. And then Zophar in chapter 11 speaks against what Job said. And when I say speaks against, what I mean is they were like, they were like, no, 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 Job, you, you, you're saying the wrong thing. You're looking at this from the wrong angle. They tried to advise him. They tried to correct him. They tried to fix him. And the Dagon book of Job goes for 42 chapters because these guys wouldn't shut up. They got it right for seven days and seven nights. Seven days and seven nights. They had it right. They sat with him. In solidarity, they 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 listened for one chapter to what he had to say, but then they tried to fix. And my suggestion here is that ultimately, what a real friend in Christ and Christian spirituality does is we listen, we watch, we look and we try to recognize with the person going through it, what is God doing in this situation? And how might I partner with what God is doing in Emily's life, and how might I I partner with Emily as she partners with what God is doing? I, I'm not assuming, I'm not, I'm not putting my stuff on it. Now listen, this is much easier said than done. In theory, this works amazing. It's, it's, it's brilliant, in theory. Oh yeah, all I have to do is listen to Emily and stand in solidarity with with Emily. Press in with Emily. But then, when I start to say, well, Emily, this is what worked for me, try this. Or this is what worked for me, Or try this. Now, there might be times when Emily's like, what do you think? But my suggestion to you is, what if we just really began to be people of presence? Like, really presence. What if we really laid down our opinions and our defensiveness and our whatever it might be and became people of presence and true dialogue where we could we could listen and and, and speak without giving all of our opinions advising trying to fix because I've come to the place where I really truly believe with all my heart that God is the only one who can fix God is really the only one who can who can um, um, bring healing now sometimes God will use us in those situations but it has to be a cooperative effort Does that that make sense? Um, But you might have received this type of friendship before. Here's here's an example. I'm I'm, I'm working on a letter right now that I need to send to some people um, who have kind of upset me. And it's it's not that I'm sending it to them because they've upset me, but we've got this dialogue going on, and I've got to clear some things up. So I drafted this letter. Paragraph one was really kind hearted. Paragraph two was really kind hearted. Paragraph three was, um, now I'm gonna stick it to you. Paragraph four was kind hearted. (laughs) And then I signed my name. But I've been writing letters long enough to know that I'm drafting the letter. I'm not sending the letter. So I sent it to the buddy who I talked about in Houston. I sent him the letter and I said, hey, I'd love some feedback. Well, he writes back and he says, I've got some feedback. Let me know when you wanna talk on the phone. And so I wrote back and said, I was really hoping you would just say this is a great letter. <laughs> so we get on the phone, and he starts asking questions, like really good questions. He says, tell me what the, what the agenda is. What do you hope happens? What do you need to happen? What, what do you think will happen if you send this letter? This, I mean, just like really, really good questions. Are you willing to burn bridges? Are you thinking that maybe it'd be better not to burn bridges? Which bridges do you want to burn? Which bridges do you want to keep possibly in place? How does this impact, if you send this, how does this impact the immediate future? How does it impact the long-term future? I mean, these are like really good questions. And I finally said, you're talking about paragraph three, right? He says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm just asking you. And, but he's, now, he, this is a really good, this dude's really good at this. He's had, he's had special training also, okay, I just, you need to know that. Uh, we went to, we were in school together uh, for spiritual direction, and so he's had very good training. But by the end, I knew in my heart what I, what I needed to do with this letter. Because his questions were so beautiful. Without him telling me what I needed to do. Without him even telling me his thoughts. Because at the end of it, when he was, when we were finally done, he goes, "I don't know. I might just send the letter the way it is." He actually said that. He's like, "But you got to decide what you need to do." Ah, oh, so good, right? I like, think that's just so freaking good. I was like, "Wow." Yeah, all right. Because he's not sending the letter. He's not burning or building bridges in this particular. City. I am. I am the one that has to live with it, and he knows that. Oh, that's pretty neat. So that's, you know, maybe hopefully we have something like that where we receive that. Okay, maybe you do, maybe you don't. What does it look like to actually give it, though? Because that's most of the time where many of us need to start. Soul friends, I would call them soul friends. There's lots of books written on this stuff. It's really beautiful stuff. But ultimately, I would say that uh, it's about making room for others in your life. Making room for people. What does it look like to give that? What does it look like to give someone that sacred space? To allow them to be who they are. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And, it's, and again, this is hard. But I want to be this. You know, like, I love when you got good. <laughs> I can put up with your good. But couldn't I put up with your bad and your ugly? Sometimes I haven't been very good at that. I want to be. I want to be better at that. Soul friendship is more demanding than giving advice, money, or some other form of help. It's easy to give money. It's easy to give advice. Sometimes it's really hard to give true, genuine love and care a listening ear. Not take offense, not be offended. It's That's it's hard. It's just hard. True friendship and maybe is that place where we allow them to take their mask off and we still love them. It's a big deal. Because honestly, I want to be able to take my mask off and still be cared for and loved. A place where deep secrets, dark fears, sources of shame, disturbing questions, anxieties can kind of be put out there and, hey, I still love you. I this is what it would look like to give it. This is what it would look like to give it. Learning to be present to God in the situation. And I read somewhere, the most important thing you can do in, in these types of friendships is be the person who is the presence of Christ for that person. Like, how cool is that? Like, what does it look like for me to be Christ's presence in this situation? Again, Job's friends talked, and that was their mistake. <laughs> they spoke. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating because I know that that's the question. Well, so are you talking like my best friendships are the ones where I don't ever say anything? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, like, if you're going to be friends, you're, you're going you're to go at this. But, but sometimes there are certain friendships where you, you learn when it's not your turn to talk. You learn the space where it's not your turn to fix advise, because sometimes it's just, it has to be the Spirit of God doing it, but you can begin to recognize, what's God doing in this situation? Hmm. What does it look like to cooperate with God in this situation? It might be a more pointed question. Brian, which bridges do you want to burn? Ah, that was helpful. All of them, I want to burn all of them. (laughs) I was mad at that moment. I don't want to burn any of them. I don't want to burn them. All right, so what if I want to start offering this to some, somebody in my life? What does it look like? Well, the first thing is you can't offer this kind of friendship. You can't offer this unless you yourself are experiencing it in your soul. It goes back to solitude. It goes back to time off. It goes back to becoming a peaceful presence. It goes to back to practicing stillness. It goes back to you can't bring stillness to a conversation unless you know stillness in your soul. Period. You just, you can't. There's there's no way around it. That's why I'm so big on margin. That's why I'm so big on taking time to yourself and not producing, not consuming, taking a day off. Building this into your life because what you're ultimately doing is you're building into your life peaceful presence and stillness. And when you begin to build that deep within, that's what starts to come out as you practice it and you can sit in a conversation with someone and their world is falling apart and you can actually be a peaceful presence in that situation because internally you're not falling apart it's a big deal we overlook this more than anything else when it comes to soul care presence begins with attentiveness being attentive to people we have this stillness. We begin to be present. It means that I'm prepared to actually be present to them and absent from me. Whenever you find yourself in a conversation and they're, they're pouring out their stuff and you just, you're waiting for them to take a breath so that you can tell them what they need to do next, you're not present to them. Period. You're not present to them. You haven't heard a word they're saying. Because you're, you've been waiting for the breath so that you can advise or fix to be present to them is to be absent from yourself at times. I'm compl- I'm giving myself to this. I'm giving myself to you. Kind of a cool thing. It's a wonderful gift. It's an insane gift. It's an amazing thing that you can give to someone else. Friendship is where things get put to the test. I'm grateful. I like I'm so grateful even in you know, even in this room there there's a couple friendships that at a moment in time I was like, Oh, what's where's it gonna go? And then it it, it came around. And it's like that's the kind of stuff that makes you just I don't know. You know, it, it redeems your your hope in humanity. <laughs> there's been others where it didn't come back around. And I'm like, dang it. Whether it was my fault or their fault, you know, I'm I'm trying to have much more stuff be less my fault these days. <laughs> Friendship's where we cultivate the good stuff. And guys, there's there's no other place to actually learn forgiveness, to learn kindness, to learn to lay down your defensiveness, to learn to um, be more forgiving, to be more gentle. Friendships a good place to do it. Uh, that's why I'm a, I'm a fan of this. I'm a fan of this because like we we have a chance to actually not just do things in theory. Theory is so easy, wouldn't you agree? Like everything's easy in theory. Raising kids is easy in theory. <laughs> Being a friend is easy in theory. Forgiving people in theory that's so easy. Huh? Yeah being generous in theory it's easy until somebody actually needs your money and then you're like ah oh, that was so easy before somebody needed the money and you know, whatever it is one thing that i have found helpful and this is what i'll I'll close with but um i came upon a practice years and years ago it's called spiritual direction Spiritual direction is an ancient, ancient practice uh, in the Orthodox and Catholic Church. Spiritual direction is where a a person like myself would sit with someone. Um, most of the time, these are priests or nuns or pastors, but they were they're they're trained in the art of listening. They're trained in the art of asking questions. They're trained because it it takes training to. They're trained in cooperation with learning how to, what does it look like to cooperate with God in the life of another person? Spiritual directors are often called sojourners or sacred companions, those kinds of things. But sometimes we don't have the friend that we're talking about, but we, we need someone who would be willing to sojourn with us. And I put this out there for anyone who might not have that particular friend right now that sometimes spiritual direction and having a spiritual director is one of the most beautiful ways to go because you have a chance to sit with someone and their sole responsibility is to be present to you and to God in your life. I meet with a spiritual director. I've met with my director, same director now for six years. My director has books of notes. My director was with me during my um, uh, suicidal, years, year, it was a year, but, but during that time where I was, I was at the, at the end, my director was with me, has notebooks from it, has notebooks from major life transitions, has notebooks from uh, when I was flying high, and it's fun to watch, and, and like we compare these things, and it's like, wow, but it's all about recognizing where God has been in the process, and what God is doing, and how God has been holding on to me through it, um, And what, the reason I bring this up is if this is something that you personally, you're like, wow, you know, maybe that's something I I should try. Spiritual directors are different than counselors. See, sometimes counselors tell you what to do. Spiritual director is going to leave you high and dry (laughs) in that regard. It's happened to me a number of times. You know, I've even had people in our church before who've sat with me. If you've ever sat with me, you know that this is how I operate. But if you're new to this and you've sat with me, and I had one guy particularly, and he's Question after question after question. He's asking me, what do I do about this? And what do I do about this? And what do I do about this? And I would come back and I would say, well, what do you think God might be doing here? What do you think God might be doing here? What do you think God might be doing here? And he, by the end, he was like, I don't care about any of that. What do you think? I was like, I don't know. He, he left the church. They didn't last because it was like, it was so frustrating. But I've become more and more convinced that I don't know. Like, I'm, I don't know. I mean I have thoughts but I'm I'm still trying to learn when it's just my opinion or when it's when it's God and so I am coming back and what and so that's what a spiritual director does. So they're not going they're not going to fix you but God is going to work through that relationship. I have many 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 friends who are spiritual directors. And if you think that's something that you are like maybe I would be interested in something like that, I will hook you up with somebody who could really be a, a, a sojourner for a, for a season spiritual directors cost money by the way so you know you, it's, it's, a, it's a commitment but I, I have I, I know people I know I know people it's one of the only times in my life I can say that <laughs> Jeremy's not here Jeremy really knows people right Jeremy knows people but you know if you need your if you need your AC fixed don't come to me I don't know anybody but if you need a spiritual director I know people I would I would encourage you to give it thought Give it thought. But beyond that, in your own journey, your own journey of soulful care, what does it look like to, do you have a friendship like that? And what, which ones do you have that might could you could invest more into it towards giving that type of love and, and friendship? Um, the gift you give, ultimately, I do believe it, it starts to come back around. Don't let anybody ever tell you that friendship is easy, though. It's not for the faint of heart. But be that person? Oh, man, so cool. Be that person. I think it's critical. One one author said it like this. I didn't start out with this quote because I think it's almost, it could be almost painful. But he says, one of my favorite authors, he says, look, if you're making significant process on the transform transformational journey of Christian spirituality, you have at least one friendship that really supports that journey and if you don't then you're not you're not making the journey but i can finish with that because i think even a spiritual director and oftentimes can come back to being that for for many people as as we're as we're starting down that path we need it i think it's incredibly important i think jesus gives us a great example of it